Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Darren Dodd and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. The environment and its impact on the way we live has huge implications for our mental and physical health. With this in mind, NHS England is running an experiment called Healthy New Towns that attempts to put health at the centre of urban planning. Here in the studio to discuss the project is Emily Huff, Strategy Director for NHS England and NHS Improvement, Christian Norris, an economist at PA Consulting, and Ellen Halstead of the Peabody Housing Association. So Emily, give us the background to the Healthy New Towns project. Why now? The NHS long-term plan highlighted the wider role the NHS has to play in influencing the shape of local communities and the future of the built environment. Given only about 20% of our health outcomes are determined by clinical care, it's really important that we start to look at other factors influencing our health and well-being. So back when we published the five-year forward view in 2014, NHS England kicked off the Healthy New Towns programme to work with a number of local sites to think about what works in incorporating a focus on prevention, well-being and active communities in new and existing housing developments. We thought about three main things. How do you plan and design a healthy built environment? How do you enable strong and connected communities? And how do we make sure that we're building in the right new models of care for the future? And you have 10 of these model sites across the country, right from um, Darlington in the north to Cranbrook in Devon. How did you choose the actual locations? So we went out across the country and invited people to come forward and talk to us about the sites that they wanted to work with. And through that process of working with local areas, we identified 10 sites with varying characteristics across the country that had an ambition to support healthy design and healthy developments. And through that process, we've been supporting sites covering over 58,000 homes. And Christian, you've been analysing the results so far. I know it's an ongoing project, so some of these projects are built, some are kind of part built. What lessons have you learnt so far? I think we've been really pleasantly surprised by the results of the impact assessment work we did. So PA did an independent report and assessment of each of the demonstrator sites to really understand, are they adding the value and helping people in the ways which we might expect? And... The summary of all of that work is that what we find is that for every £1 spent on healthy new towns, actually there's a whole plethora of benefits which make up to about £2.50 across the system. So that could be from reducing A&E visits, it could be from reducing reliance upon social care, as well as all of the benefits which are derived to the citizens and the people in the healthy new towns as well. Sort of clear economic benefits to the plan. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the surprising things also was that some of those benefits, you don't have to always wait many years for them to begin to be realised. So particularly when we think about mental health, by getting people more active, engaged within the community and providing those connections, actually we see quite quick benefits for people with mental health challenges. So you have 10 main points, which you're, you're 10 principles, which you're applying to the towns. I mean, we won't go through all of them, but some of them, encouraging active travel, for instance. I mean, how does that play out, given things like bus networks are being cut back massively over the last few years? So we absolutely identified 10 core principles, and we've categorised those into three areas of the importance of planning, assessing and involving communities, designing, delivering 
and managing the right development and then making sure we have the right healthcare service. And what you're talking about around active travel is really part of that effective design. And it's really important when we're thinking about the active design to get in there thinking about supporting a compact community, supporting active travel, getting the public transport system linked up in the right way. When I visited North Stowe last year, for example, they've really thought about how to connect that community to the local train stations. They've thought about changing the way the walkways work through the community to make sure it's easy to get to the bus stop. And they're trying to reduce the reliance on cars effectively. And I think when we then looked at what the impacts might be of trying to get people to reduce their reliance, so if you take something like the Bista example, which is one of the demonstrator sites. They've got fabulous blue lines painted around the town, which is to try and incentivise people to or nudge them towards jogging around the lines or walking around the lines. What you see is that in one of those blue lines, they have a 27% increase in the amount of activity which people are getting out there, exercising, etc., The positive benefits of that are clearly that it can help reduce things like obesity over time. It can help, therefore, reduce things like diabetes, type 2 diabetes, which then has benefits both in terms of reducing the burden on the NHS as well as helping to get people back to work. What about encouraging healthy eating? It's not just walking and running. You're also trying to actively encourage healthier eating. I think everyone loves the example Mm -hmm. of edible Ebsfleet. So one of our demonstrator sites in Ebsfleet identified that they had a local challenge around childhood obesity, type 2 diabetes and access to healthy, affordable food. And so they partnered with a charity called Incredible Edible to develop a local initiative that encouraged people to get active and grow their own food. And there are now nine edible Ebsfleet initiatives that are involving over 1,200 children in the local area and it's spread from the new town to the old town of Ebsfleet. It's been that popular. Today's about EDC's Edible Ebsfleet initiative. Red Row are supporting this today by inviting school children from the local school to come and plant 20 fruit trees on site. Today I planted three trees. And I had lots of fun doing it. The children get so much from an event like this. This sort of trip covers so many different areas of the curriculum, um, as well as understanding of being a part of the community. They also get a chance to develop their physical um, skills. Now, Ellen, part of the project here is not just to set up these new towns, but also to build some guidelines that can be taken forward by developers. We heard in the Edible Ebsfeet clip how a commercial housing developer, Redrow, got involved. Now, you work for Peabody, a non-profit housing association. You're applying some of these guidelines in the Thamesmead project, right? Yeah, absolutely. So in Thamesmead, we are responsible for looking after the existing town, and that will include building some new homes. So in the long term, nearly 20,000 new homes, but also looking after the parts of the town that already exist. And that includes housing and green spaces. We're looking at like long term, how do we look after the parks? How do we get people using the parks? How do we make the most of them? So really chiming with what we're hoping to achieve in the long term. Bodies like Peabody obviously already have a quite strong history of more social housing. But what about commercial developers? I mean, what's in it for them to get involved with this type of project? I think this is fantastic guidance to making attractive places for people to live in and therefore buy into and move into. Ultimately, we all want to live in a place that encourages good community, encourages great green spaces to go and use, has a strong community network. And this is what this guidance is all around. 
I think in lots of ways it's opening up opportunities for developers to do what they do with better impact and things that they would naturally look at through the planning process anyway. So it's just pulling together some guidance on that from a different perspective. So Christian, how could this affect the housing economy? Yeah, so I think there is greater demand in general for housing which is sustainable, which is able to deliver some of the attributes we're talking about within healthy new towns. So part of our impact assessment also looked at was there an increase in demand associated with having the brand of being a healthy new town and starting to put some of these initiatives into place. And actually, we did find that there was statistically significant increase in housing demand for those areas, which is really interesting because ultimately, this will only work if we have a win-win for all of the different stakeholders who need to be involved. So whether that be the NHS, social care, citizens and people themselves, but also the developers. So I think as we've done the impact assessment work, what's been quite positive and, and surprising has been that you've got benefits accruing to all of these different parties, meaning that everybody should have an aligned incentive. And Emily, have you taken any international inspiration for this? Is this something that's perhaps been echoed in other parts of the world? When we were first thinking about the Healthy New Towns programme, we absolutely looked at examples of cities across the world that are starting to focus more on health and well-being, and there are pockets of those across the world. What we've found is that people are now starting to come to us because we are considering how can we apply the principles in putting health into place across the country. And that nationwide focus is attracting interest from across Europe and Asia. So we're talking, for example, to the Ministry of Health from Singapore about this programme. To some extent, it's unsurprising as well, isn't it? Because you have a situation where a lot of developed countries are beginning to have slower rates of growth in life expectancy. And so actually thinking much broader about the wider determinants of healthcare and trying to tackle that through the physical infrastructure and getting people activated, as we talked about today, is sort of one of the ways in which you can start to try and re-kickstart some of that improvement in life expectancy. And some of these improvements, especially things like community networks, community spaces like libraries have been cut back so much. I mean, what do you think this project could achieve faced with that kind of economic climate? I think the first thing to say is that this isn't all about billion pound schemes, which, you know, we're going to spend years and years implementing. There's lots of things which can be implemented quickly and at quite low cost and have, as we've demonstrated in the impact assessment, have broad and big benefits for people. So I think actually this is one of the areas where people will continue to want to focus, both in terms of trying to release some of the pressure on the NHS and social care, but also an area which will start to deliver some of those wider benefits around life expectancy and health inequalities. Emily, where next for the programme? So now that we've published the principles of putting health into place, we've been working across government to think about how we can embed those principles into national planning tools, working with other government departments like the Ministry for Housing, Communities, local government. And we're supporting other local partners, local NHS sites like the one in Thamesmead to think about how to put this into practice. And we've committed to this in the NHS long-term plan, so we want to make sure that we're supporting the local NHS to engage in future developments. Okay, so my thanks to Emily, Christian and Ellen, and thanks for listening.
We've launched a new podcast this month called The Rackman Review, a weekly look at geopolitics with the FT's chief foreign affairs commentator, Gideon Rackman. The show is exclusively for FT subscribers, so if that's you, please go to ft.com slash rackmanreview and sign up for a taste of the global political debates that Gideon writes about in his columns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.